When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today, we're going to talk about the First Amendment and something that Canada did that now a lot of people are wondering why we don't do it in the United States. If you've watched this channel for any length of time, you have probably heard me say that's not a First Amendment issue like over and over and over and over again. <laughs> um, this time it is. This time it is for once. Okay, so what does the First Amendment say? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people to peaceably assemble, and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Okay, so five freedoms, six rights. You have the freedom of religion, which is divided into the right to establish and the right to exercise, and then the ones you're familiar with. You know, press, speech, assembly, petition. I would like to point out you have the right to petition for a redress of grievances. A senator recently said you have the right to a redress of grievances. You don't. You have the right to ask to have your problem solved. You do not have a right to have your problem solved. But that's not the important part. The important part is assembly and speech. Canada recently designated certain groups as bad. And if you are a member of these groups, well, you're in trouble. We can't do that in the United States because of the First Amendment. Um, this is why there are a lot of organizations, very, very bad organizations, that have uh, continued to exist. Okay. So that's the constitutional reason. Membership in an organization in and of itself cannot be a crime in the United States. The practical reason is the U.S. government is not Canada. Our government has not shown itself responsible enough to handle the power to designate domestic groups. If they had this power, environmental groups, groups seeking racial justice, anybody challenging the status quo would end up getting designated at some point. It's not something we actually want in this country. So, does that mean these groups are just free to do whatever? No. Oh, no. The feds have a whole bunch of tactics, strategies, tools, and legislation to help them disrupt groups without making the group itself illegal. Um, you're probably familiar with a lot of them, like RICO. These strategies and tactics have been used to disrupt foreign intelligence services, international organizations, groups that have a lot more operational security than the current subjects. They're not going to have an issue with it. Aside from that, I would point out that now that an allied nation, Canada, has designated these groups, 
the way they have, there are certain agencies and a certain community that typically cannot work within the United States that now has its hands untied a little bit. They still can't actively get involved, but they can keep an eye on it, and they can share information with our allies, as a good ally would do. I'm not sure how the protocols work today. Um, some information may leave Virginia and go to the Canadians and then turn around and go right back to the FBI. Or now, because of the fusion centers, it may be directly shared. I'm not sure how that works today. Um, but the new players on the field are of a much higher caliber than anybody these groups have faced before. Aside from that, you have normal federal law enforcement that will use the normal tactics. They will go in and they will flip members that are already part of the organization. Billy, who is a member of Group X, gets caught in Ohio with a gun and picks up a weapons charge or something. The feds show up and they're like, hey, you know what's weird? A part in this gun was made in Kentucky. It entered interstate commerce. So this is our case now. And you are looking at uh, this sentence. Unless you play ball. If you do play ball, you'll walk out of here right now. And you're going to tell us everything from now on. That tends to work with a lot of people. The other option is actually putting people inside their own people. With these groups in particular, it will be incredibly easy because they actively recruit law enforcement and former law enforcement and military and former military. When uh, you're sending somebody into a group, it's normally a, it's normally a bad thing to have that kind of background or to even have that kind of bearing before military people are ever sent into a situation like this, they have to learn how to not appear military. It's not going to matter with these groups. They don't have the operational security to make it through any kind of scrutiny that is go certainly going to come. We do not need the federal government to have the power to designate membership in any group as a crime. They have the tools. This is just like the surveillance stuff. They have the tools. They work. They just have to put in the work. These strategies have taken down organizations far more advanced, far more sophisticated than those the Canadians just listed and designated. So that's the reason why we can't do the same thing, but also some insight into how the U.S. government deals with the fact that they can't do the same thing. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good night.